0: Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. Everyone needs a good hype man in their lives. Someone to boost them up, to tell others about all the good things they have going on. For Broward County artists, that man is Evan Snow. Evan's goal is to help build the community of artists in Broward. He does this by advocating for their work, their painting and poetry, their writing and sculpture but maybe the most important thing Evan does is find artists affordable places to make their art. Evan started a program called Zero Empty Spaces. He finds vacant properties in strip malls and shopping centers and works with landlords to turn them into temporary artist studios. The landlord gets to attract people to their property and the artists have an affordable place to work on their craft. The idea is spreading across the country. Evan has a soft spot for Broward. He grew up in Coral Springs. He watched his parents build community through education. He wants to do the same thing with the arts. To talk to us about his work and his passion is Evan Snow. Welcome, Evan. Glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation and consideration. Yeah, no, it's great to be able to talk about Broward County Arts because I know that this is a real passion for you. That that you know, Miami is very much this. Uh, it it draws a lot of gravity towards it. A lot of a lot of artists. Um. But there are also really strong thriving artist communities in Broward and West Palm Beach, and, and I'm sure those things have their own individual way of, of interacting with each other. So I'm so curious to really get into the, the idea of Broward, the Broward and the arts there.
1: Yeah. And uh, I mean, of course, I got initial inspiration from my early ventures to Wynwood and essentially, you know, was going down for anything and everything that I could find uh, From my first ventures to obviously Miami Art Week and Art Basel in Mm -hmm. 2014 to Three Points Music Festival in its second year back in the day. Um, Look at you being back in the day the second year. All right. right. How about that? Yeah. And I really just wanted to bring that up to my community in Broward County, where I'm very proud to be born and raised from. And uh, thankfully found a very knowledgeable passionate and resourceful business partner and my business partner Mr. Andrew Martineau who helped support me and our community in doing so and we've done a lot of great things since yeah
0: so you were looking around Broward and saying we have everybody's cramming into these these communities in Miami and we have all the space we have all these areas and all these uh, places with their own vibe and saying how do we get some of that here right
1: correct and er, er, initially it started off I was going you know remember 2014 I know it's almost 10 years ago now uh, Wynwood was a little bit different than what it is now Mm -hmm. that's another story for another day and um, at that time Fat Village which is which was the arts district in Flagler Village in downtown Fort Lauderdale was really starting to just pick up in uh, in traffic and activity they were starting their art walk and i mean very humble beginnings you know tens of people dozens (laughs) of people hundreds of people um and you know i was really enjoying just going around and discovering and exploring and building relationships with these local artists and they deserve the platform to be highlighted discovered and showcased and while i was going around to go and see and do all these things within the arts and culture um i felt i needed to create something just to show through visual storytelling, through Facebook Live, through podcasting, through Instagram stories, you know, all these cool things that I was seeing and doing. So I initially started this with a social movement called Choose 954 to cultivate culture and community in my native Broward County in an effort to make this a better place to live and not just a better place to vacation. And that was initially that that first platform, that first spark that we created, which led to Art Fort Lauderdale, the Art Fair on the Water, Fort Lauderdale Art and Design Week, and then inevitably zero empty spaces, thankfully.
0: Yeah. And and I'll, I want to talk about um, where you where the kind of that inspiration, that real, that real desire to pump up your community, the arts community comes from. But but I want to kind of start with with zero empty spaces. Sure. Because it seems like such a kind of a, a no duh idea, right? Kind of a no brainer. And like, look at all these, if you find these kind of empty uh, bays at, in different uh, shopping centers and strip malls, why can't this be an artist, uh, an artist c- enclave? You know, kind of impromptu artist enclave. How did that? How did you get the idea to do that? Like, where did that come from?
1: Sure. So, uh, you know, we initially, admittedly, we did not invent taking va- vacant space and making <laughs> art studios. There is Bakehouse, there's sure. something in Virginia called Torpedo Factory, mm-hmm. and there's other projects throughout the country and throughout the world. Fortunately, my business partner uh, was in the early stages, not only of Winwood, sharing office space with Tony Cho, renting warehouses with the groups of artists for $100 a month that now sell for $40 million. <laughs> uh, he was also one of the first tenants in, in Fat Village, in the arts district in Fort Lauderdale. So he had a lot of early stages grassroots experience with growing and supporting these arts communities. But more so than that, and I'm super fortunate for this, he was in the arts, got a little burnt out, went back to working for corporate. He had a background in advertising, shopping center, retail development. He went to work for one of the largest mall companies in the world, the Westfield Corporation. And he was a marketing executive and essentially he developed vacancy management strategies and solutions for the mall where he would take underutilized portions of the food court and make a commission-free art gallery. Uh, So it would, help them mall drive traffic, keep feet in the street longer, retain shoppers, uh, while also providing valuable opportunities to artists. So we were leaving a meeting one day um, after we had successfully been doing an art fair inside of luxury waterfront homes that were for sale, huh. made only accessible via boat. That was Art Fort Lauderdale, the art fair on the water. Okay. And all these artists would come to us and say, hey, where are the studios at, let alone affordable? Simultaneously, at the same time, we got more involved with the real estate board and we were having a lot of real estate developers and property managers and brokers and the like would say, can you do art in my commercial space? So we put our thinking caps on at, at that time. This was in 2019. An article had just come out that day that stated Broward County was one of the least affordable counties for housing. And we turned and looked to ourselves and said... What if we can make this one of the most affordable places for artists to create and collaborate in? Um, And what if there was no more empty spaces and we thought zero empty spaces uh, was an aptly fitting uh, infinite, you know, infinite title, infinite game that we could play. And we've since uh, that's led to 29 spaces that we've activated uh, over the last four years now Mm -hmm. in three states. And we've had. Over 400 artists come through the program, changing hundreds of artists' lives, thousands of times over.
0: Wow. So it really comes, it starts with a very uh, utilitarian question, which is, you know, you manage, say you manage a mall, right? And you're like, how do I get people? How do I get people to these to these stores, you know? So these folks can continue paying the rent. And you have these empty spaces and thinking, you know, this is a way that I can drive traffic, which is kind of what happened in Winwood in, Wynwood, in the sense that, that you drive traffic because people are going for the art, and then it kind of builds things around them, right?
1: And arts are a proven model for building community. I'm not going to you know, speculate and talk on the quote-unquote Winwood effect, but it was those early-stage commercial real estate developers who happened to have a passion for the arts that did go to these traditional industrial warehouse districts where they were discovering these artists and uh then you know subsequently as we know the story goes you know tony goldman and craig robbins and moishamana and all these people you know bought them up and the arts obviously have been clearly a proven model to spurn growth and development Mm -hmm. and traffic um we're doing it though in a more sustainable sustainable way we're not displacing anybody nobody's getting gentrified by putting artists in a mall or in a shopping center
0: well which is an interesting point too is i mean we've we know it the world over that artists come in they make an area cool and then they eventually get priced out right um and that's part of that's part of what your model is right is like finding affordable spaces for artists like ultimately the artists will go where they can be for like you said a hundred bucks a month or um, there's there's different projects I've heard where, you know, there's some subsidies or what have mm-hmm. you, just to bring in artists knowing that that ultimately brings people.
1: Correct, and thankfully, uh, the novelty of the initiative and activation and us being arts advocates and doing this to create affordable working artist studios is a little different versus if we were just going to do a traditional gallery where a traditional gallery is more in line with just sales understandably and those spaces would be subject to full market rental rates mm-hmm. but because of our overall arts advocacy initiatives because of the placemaking benefits and activation and events and press and buzz and all of the great things that come as a result of these activations of these spaces thankfully you know we've drawn attention from some of the largest property owners and developers in the world the simon mall and and brookfield property group uh to you know offer us the space and work out a an agreement that is mutually beneficial that allows us to make the space available to the artists at the price that we're able to make it available for which in south florida at the moment starts at two dollars and fifty cents per square foot generally on a month-to-month basis with the water and the electric included. And we make it very simple so an artist could just pay, show up, and paint. There is an application process. Mm -hmm. But one of the things we pride ourselves on, which I I really hope your listeners appreciate this, um, which I I think they will, we pride ourselves on being inclusionary. So a lot of the traditional art spaces here, which I know, love, and support, the Bakehouse, the Fountainhead, you know, all those places Mm – you know, you generally have to have a very long CV. You have to have an MFA. You have to know somebody. You have to be part of the Cool Kids Club. You could be the most talented artist in the world, but if you don't have one of those things, you're probably not getting into one of those spaces. We pride ourselves being inclusionary that we pair emerging, mid career, and established artists in a space together where they could learn, collaborate from one another, support one another. And we've seen, and not just that their skill level and their expertise, one of the one of the coolest experiences is pairing artists from different backgrounds and walks of life. And we have artists that are young, black, old, you know, young, old, gay, straight, purple, orange, alien, and everything else in between. And by putting them in a space together, we've seen some beautiful relationships happen, beautiful collaborations happen. And it's really, um, it's just provided um, so many win-win-win benefits and success stories that we're Proud and excited to continue doing it the rest of our lives.
0: Yeah, I would imagine that there's a there's an f there's a part of it where you're you're making a bit of a sales pitch, right? A sales pitch to the artists, but also a sales pitch to the landlords. Like, here's why this is good for you, and artist. Here's why this is good for you, because you know, like, sure. everybody wants to be in the cool area. Like, how do you make a cool area first? You know, it's like chicken and egg thing. Talk to me about that. Like, how, what is the pitch that you made to landlords to like give up this spot and and negotiate rate of of two, you know, what is it? Two fifty a square foot
1: in Florida. Yes, uh, and then some of the states they're a little higher utility cost, but thankfully, full transparency, we don't pitch anybody. They reach out to us, and really? we can't force anybody to do it. They, The property owners have to want to do it, and the artists have to want to do it. Now, we make it very easy for the property owners and the landlords. We serve as one point of contact. We know how to speak their language with Andrew having been in you know, commercial real estate development and shopping center management right. uh, with Westfield. I was a realtor previously as well. Um, we assume all liability for the space, so we take care of everything. We provide our own insurance. We do the build out, we do the permitting, we do the leasing, we do the signage, we do the branding, we do the events, we do the artist application, we wow. facilitate all those steps of the process and by serving as one point of contact for the property owner and for the artists alike it just makes it a lot easier uh, we're very resourceful we also have a marketing agency the United group that facilitates the branding the logo the website and all of those things at a very high level that it's very tasteful and it's very authentic it's very transparent with everybody for the artists i mean yes there is a sales pitch per se um, but it it is truly the opportunity of a lifetime because every artist most artists would more than likely want to have an opportunity to be in a retail sales environment, mm-hmm. a gallery, you know, on Las Olas, Main Street, USA or, or any shopping center. Right. And it's just the cost of entry, the barrier of entry is so high. So by taking a 3000 square foot space and breaking it up into, you know, 15 or 20 small studio spaces uh, at a very affordable rate, generally $250 a month. You know, th- there's very, uh, very little risk involved. It's month to month. So if their situation changes, if it doesn't work out monetarily, you know, th- there's no penalty to discontinue. And we don't take any commission on anything that they sell. They could host classes, workshops. We have artists do one workshop a month, charge fifty dollars, get five people, rents paid. You've they could do that. Rent, they right. could do that every single day.
0: Wow. And I mean, it's. It's very, it's incredibly altruistic. Like, this is an incredible, like, so how do you make that model work? I mean, this obviously takes a chunk of your time, and at 250 a square foot, how do you keep that sustainable? How do you pay, you know, the, how do you pay the creative uh, marketing agency? How do you, how do you keep the lights on for yourself so that you can keep helping artists like uh
1: so yeah, you, you mentioned the, the word altruism. And thankfully, Andrew keyed me in on that very early on when we first started meeting and partnering. And we do good on all of these missions without our handout, really asking or expecting anything in return. Now, understandably, we're not independently wealthy people that can go around the county, the state or the, now the country and beyond willy nilly mm. just opening these art spaces on a whim. Also, full transparency, we don't have a funder. We don't have a philanthropist. I don't have a rich uncle. We don't get grants. (laughs) And we do this, as you just alluded to, very resourcefully because we take care of all of those creative marketing, advertising components, the operations components that allows us to absorb the cost so we could keep it affordable to artists. Because if I had to pay $3,000 a month to five different agencies, it's not going to be $2.50 a square foot. We're not doing this ultimately to make a, the most amount of money possible, or we would have to be charging more. But we do this because it's the right thing to do. We've seen the impacts and benefits of this program and similar programs. We're big fans of Bakehouse. You know, we're big fans of Torpedo Factory. We're big fans of these other proven models. We just wanted to make that available within our community. And if we are able to cover our expenses, mm-hmm. cover the build out, and cover a little bit of our time, uh, then that is that's been more than fine for us in the first 4 years of this journey we are getting into other conversations we are looking to acquire permanent spaces we just did sign our first full term full yeah full term permanent lease a 3 year lease on a property uh, wow, which we're very excited about to make a new opportunity available for artists in Fort Lauderdale, and we do want to eventually. Now that we're been getting more in this placemaking conversation, we do want to work on like adaptive reuse projects. If you've ever been to uh, Ponce Market in Atlanta, of course. Yep,
0: yeah, th- I've been there. I'm a big. I'm a Former Atlanta resident and that's a, and a right. big fan, yeah.
1: Yes, I uh, voted for Greg Maddox in the uh, Hall of Fame. Saw, that's right, that's right.
0: The man has read my, my bio at some point. <laughs>
1: uh, so we want to be able to do stuff like that where we could take you know formerly vacant spaces mm-hmm. that weren't doing any good for the community and make those permanent art spaces. And then when we get to a point in the future where we have more capital, resources, partners, so on and so forth, we have you know, a ton of other initiatives that we'd like to roll out for other various creatives and we're starting to do that now with film, being big film advocates as well.
0: Our guest today is Evan Snow. He's an arts leader and creative entrepreneur in Broward. His project, Zero Empty Spaces, creates affordable artist studios in vacant storefronts around the country. And the, the idea for you guys started here in Broward County. And I know Broward County is obviously close to your heart because that's where you're you're born and raised, right? It is. So talk to me about that, about like where this idea, like, because at the heart of it is is an altruism, right? Is not, which is you know, like you have a real estate background. It's like and and your partner, um, Andrew, is is also has like a marketing background, and and it's not trying to squeeze the last bit out of it. It's rather creating an artist, a, a place for where artists can develop. And I'm just curious, kind of where this altruistic Feeling kind of comes from in your life.
1: So uh, I'll give a brief moment and shout out to my parents uh, Oh
0: always a shout out to the parents is great
1: and uh, I love to tell the story now as I'm going about speaking on this book tour that uh, My parents met with my mother living in Kendall and my father living in North Miami in the 70s They met without a cell phone internet or GPS. They met through something <laughs> called uh, landmark education the landmark form They were involved uh, with the, the founder um, Warner Earhart through something called S Training. It kind of predated gratitude training. It was like a self help personal development seminar series, workshop series. And they were very passionate. It had a profound impact on their lives and many people's lives around them. That uh, sounds like
0: a very 70s meet, uh, uh, yeah. both program and a way to meet, right? Oh, yeah.
1: It was great. And hey, listen, I'm here because of it. So I'm <laughs> a landmark baby. But, um, you know, fortunately, um, they just had these genes uh, that they passed down to me in my DNA of loving to help people and uh well i'm
0: sure you i'm sure you saw that in your in your everyday life with them right
1: of course uh, th- thankfully so they're you know great people great energy and then the other part that i like to mention my father grew up in uh, new hyde park long island in nassau county playing the game of lacrosse and lacrosse when i was growing up it was very big in the northeast and in maryland but it wasn't in the rest of the country and my father and my godfather jerry kraus and a lot of the coaches that i grew up playing lacrosse with mm-hmm. uh, we played a, as a club sport against the private schools They advocated for this game to FHSAA, the Florida High School Sports Association, Mm -hmm. um, as well as the state and national meetings to the point the year after I graduated high school, it became an FHSAA public school sport. And now it's one of the fastest growing sports in the country and in the world. And I'd like to think that that advocacy that I watched my father do, which earned him a spot in the U.S. Lacrosse Hall of Fame, uh, you know, those genes were also instilled and passed down into my DNA as well. I just found another mission and another purpose when I discovered my love for art by going to Winwood back in 2014 that I wanted to make this art thing more accessible, more prominent in my community where at the time... It wasn't so much Fort Lauderdale, understandably, it's very big on hospitality and tourism, one Mm -hmm. of the largest ports, one of the largest airports, you know, the beach, so on and so forth. Right. But, you know, when I go and travel, I like to go and see and do the things the locals do. And I came to find there was a a budding emerging art scene. It just didn't really have that marketing component to it. um, And I really felt that if I could show people Better than I could tell people with my cell phone and a hashtag with this choose 954 thing, it would make this a better place to live and not just a better place to vacation. And it, it has succeeded in doing so.
0: Yeah, it sounds it sounds like your dad, uh, you learned how systems work. Like how, how does this, what, how does any particular system work and how do I make a change within it? And then you, you applied that to the arts. Like what do I see in a system here and how do I change that? So you You said you started kind of this uh, with cell phones and kind of highlighting individual folks. In, in what way like uh tell me what was your day job because I, I know that i know you weren't doing that uh, great question yeah
1: so i was a recruiter and I actually talk about systems so recruiting staffing headhunting oh. you know it was placing people in jobs so i would learn how to fit a square peg in a round hole and i recruited for some pretty fair size uh staffing agencies and recruited on behalf of even bigger companies multi-billion dollar enterprise companies so i learned how systems and operations worked And fortunately, it was that experience recruiting when I started listening to TED Talks on my lunch break and started to go to my parents' house after work to listen to TED Talks, started attending TEDxNSU every year uh, that they were having it on the campus of Nova Southeastern. Mm -hmm. I was gaining a lot of inspiration and motivation. And fortunately, around that time, there was a gentleman by the name of Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V., He's a successful startup founder, uh, advertising executive, author, speaker. He took one of the first Uber rides. He was one of the first investors in Facebook, Airbnb, and a lot of things. And he was preaching entrepreneurship. And he was preaching, don't do stuff you hate. And if you put your head down and grind on something for three years, you can wake up and you're still 33 years old. And I happened to have been 30 hmm. years old when he said that. Oh, so it really struck a chord with you. It did.
0: And, and so, I mean, you could have gone, you could have applied that to a, to a host of things. Why the arts? At what point did the, like, the arts and the creation of arts, where did that come into your life in such a way where it, it focused your, your attention?
1: Well, I'm going to give you the, the true version of the story. It, it actually started more on the culture side of things. With, okay. I really actually started with food blogging. Oh, you were like
0: a first food influencer. then, Back in the day before okay.
1: food blogging really was what it was. And this was in the day of days of Foursquare. OK. It was kind of like Vimeo. Oh,
0: I, I do remember it. What? So give me a time frame more or so, less. This was 2014. 2014. Okay.
1: So I met a woman at a training seminar and on the break she was telling me she was receiving cool stuff um, for writing an article, a.k.a. a blog post about mm-hmm. it. And she was getting paid to do that. And Oh,
0: so immediately, like, all right, I can make some money doing this. I can also, maybe I can get some food out of it. Correct. You're a young guy. I actually uh, went yeah.
1: to, um, I, I uh, my friends would say, I love the places that Snow stops at. I go by my last name, not a big fan of my first name. And because um, I was post- Why not? Why not? Uh, sorry, mom. I know, but sh- we've gotten over it.
0: Oh. <laughs> Wait, if you don't see yourself as an Evan, what do you see yourself as? As Mr. Snow. Oh, okay. <laughs> Isn't it's a, isn't that the line of, Mr. Snow is my father? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, you're my friend now, so you can call me whatever you like to call right, me, right Mr. Up. Snow or otherwise. But, um, you know, I was going to these restaurants. I was taking pictures of food, and I wasn't really doing anything with it. And fortunately, I had some friends that were into Yelp and were into some of those platforms back then. And they encouraged me to start Snow Stops Food Blog. And actually, it started not right down the street, a little bit down the street at Randazzo's on Miracle Mile. I was there with my recruiting company. They dropped $1,500 on lunch. I had literally just started this food blog, and I turned to the owner, Mark Randazzo, world championship boxer, at the retired, mm-hmm. and I said, hey, I got this food blog thing. Would you like, like me to cover your place? And because the company I was with just dropped $1,500 on lunch, he said, yeah, sure, come. I'll comp your meal. And that was really it. And long story short, food blogging got me invited to go to events like tastings and pairings. Mm -hmm. Going to tastings and pairings got me to meet marketing and PR professionals. Meeting those marketing and PR professionals made me realize, well, I could do these events too. And then fortunately, shortly thereafter, I met Andrew who had extensive marketing and advertising and agency experience. He had been past president of the American Advertising Federation. He worked for Saatchi and JWT, some of the largest agencies in the world. And he would always say, you know, I'm an artist, but I like nice things. So I couldn't be a full time artist. So I got into advertising. Uh, And thankfully, that confluence of events led to Choose 954 as as my initial venture. And then fortunately, Andrew and I started flushing out ideas, which led to Art Fort Lauderdale, the Art Fair on the Water, and all of the other things that we've since um, undertaken.
0: So you basically, you got yourself in a position where you could start putting on events and then bringing artists into the fold, like uh, yeah. highlighting them that way. And at, w- at what point did you put on an event and thought, uh, something special is happening here? Whether it was an artist that you brought in or it was a certain kind of reaction. When were some of those moments, those early moments that you were doing things where it had gone... It went beyond what you were doing, kind of like writing blogs to get some to get some food, get you know to get some you know a, a little money here and there for for what you were doing. But it went beyond that; it was you were doing something where you were bringing other people. You were putting the spotlight on other people.
1: So, I met Andrew uh, at the Tower Club, members only club. It was a TEDx simulcast event that a, a lawyer, attorney friend, uh, Professor uh, Natalie Budo was hosting. She invited me to, and um, I. After the event, some old gray-haired guy sent to the right of me, said, hey, what do you do? I had just started Choose 954 at this time. he could have cared less, but thankfully there was a very sharply dressed Trinidadian brother with a Dolly mustache and a Zara suit sitting to my left, who ended up being Andrew. He took a liking to it. We started meeting for coffee at the Tower Club, which is on top of the Regents Bank building, downtown Fort Lauderdale, overlooks all of Broward County. And You're uh,
0: like, I'm I'm with, with these movers and shakers. What do we do? What do we do with all these people in this room? And
1: he was really a mover and shaker, but he was still working for corporate. And essentially on our third meeting, we were identifying gaps and voids of things that were missing in Broward County. Art Basel at this time was already the biggest thing in the world for art. Mm-hmm. Um, we never had that. We have a tented fair that takes place on Las Olas four times a year. Nobody's flying in to go see that. There's no after parties. There's no artist talks. it's just it is what it is. It's a tented fair.
0: You're yeah. like if I can take ten percent of that. If I can take even one percent of what's of the overflow of Art Basel, and instead of them having you know being blocks away, you know because Art Basel is on Miami Beach, and if this is happening somewhere in Alapata, you're like maybe if I can put them in Las Olas, like. That 1%, maybe that's that's a way to, we you know, where we start. Correct,
1: and we saw that there were very unique, so every art fair in the world is done in a tent, convention center or hotel. You mm-hmm. go into these big mazes, you have to fight traffic, fight parking, you get art fatigued. You know, that is the <laughs> model that they've all subscribed to. Right. So we looked at the unique elements of Fort Lauderdale. We've got a beautiful Las Olas intercoastal waterway system, the Venice of the Americas. We have a water taxi that very few places in the world have, and we have beautiful homes and architecture on the water. So we turned to ourselves and said, We want to do a big event. We want to do Basil and Broward. What if we could do the first art fair in the world inside of luxury waterfront homes that are for sale, made only accessible via boat, eliminate the traffic, $5 flat rate parking for the day at the marina, and the art was in every room and corner of the home. And these were independent artists, not represented by a gallery. Generally, art basel it's only galleries it the cost and the barrier of entry is so high that an independent artist is never going to get into the convention center in all reality so we made it super accessible and super affordable and then we programmed it very well opening night oh, opening vip reception and tour for collectors uh after night uh after parties every night at all of the hotels on the beach the w the ritz so on and so forth a series of artist talks and thankfully based off the novelty of that event um, Katie had covered it previously WLRN right, right, uh, our PBS, boss here. Yeah, PBS yeah. Art Loft and thankfully the press took on to it and in closing our goal with that event was really to put Fort Lauderdale on the art world map as an international destination to view and interact with art and as evident by getting in Forbes and CNN Travel and mm-hmm. Architectural Digest and NPR we succeeded in our mission and that ultimately did lead the way to the creation of Zero Empty Spaces.
0: It's pretty genius in the sense that like listen if I have a luxury house that i'm trying to sell and you can automatically just automatically you know for the from their point of view saying if i could put a spotlight in it and then an artist are like wow you mean i can i can put my art in front of a lot of people whatever the whatever the venue you know like that's those two things you saw a place where those two things could meet
1: and it was uh it still is one of the most unique art fair experiences art experience overall i went to uh Actually, last time I was on Sundial, four years ago, I had just gone to the Venice Biennale, which is the longest-running art fair in the world. And it's a great event, and, it, you know, it's the country representatives of art take a pavilion, and, you know, they do these really cool art installations. But that's that's its own thing. That's unique. Those those aren't local artists that are there, proud to represent their art piece and tell you about their artwork. So um, this was a very unique, very uh, one-of-a-kind experience where also... You know, when you go from one fair to the next, you have to either get back in your car, try to fight the traffic, maybe try to get an Uber when you're going during our pastel mm-hmm. season. Here, you get to hop back on a boat and you're on the water on Las Olas and you get time to think about what you just saw, have conversations with your friends or other people on the boat And it was just a very leisurely Fort Lauderdale experience that eliminated a lot of the things that we were not enjoying. I mean, of course, we're still coming to Art Basel. It is still, you know, the biggest thing for art in the world. And thankfully, it's right down the street from us here in Miami. Well,
0: it's also it's also a reflection of like why people move to Broward versus living maybe in the in the more in a more hectic, you know, um, highly concentrated uh, area like like Miami. So it kind of reflects that vibe a little bit. And uh, the lifestyle. Correct. And the lifestyle.
1: Of the water and, and all those things. And yeah. and it, it served its purpose. It's a great thing. We The last time we did it was January 2020. We did it four years annually. It led the way to Fort Lauderdale Art and Design Week, which we did create to expand out throughout the county for all the arts organizations, institutions, and artists that we know and love and support throughout the whole entire year. Um, you know, We wanted to leverage that platform, leverage the buzz, leverage all of the, the social content, to support everybody else from, you know, the Frank in Pembroke Pines to, you know, the Baca in Pompano to the Hollywood Art and Culture Center. And thankfully, that event has been a PRSA award winning campaign for um, just the just the way that we uh, undertake these tactics to show and highlight art throughout the county. And it's changed. Just that initiative has changed so many artists lives. You guys did a great story on an artist. That discovered a very important part of their family history um, on Sistrunk with a very prominent lynching involved that I encourage people to look up. And that discovery purely came through the fact that that artist was exhibiting in an event during the art week as part of this Sistrunk affair um, where they saw a picture and it ended up being a family member of theirs that had been lynched back in the day. And uh, she reconnected with her mom and said, yeah, that's your uncle. And she created a beautiful art piece. Katie covered it and it made it onto like NPR. I think it won like a Smithsonian award. Um, And that purely came by us creating this platform for an art week, not just in the homes and the boats, but on Cistrunk and the other parts of the community. Um, And also super side note, we don't charge anybody to participate in the art week.
0: Oh, that's what that was my next question is it's kind of like I, I kept thinking, like, how do you make it affordable? How do you make it accessible? And that's and that's how you do it is you don't charge folks to, to participate. We
1: do them. And once again, we're very resourceful, you know, with social media, with marketing, with advertising, website, public relations. So thankfully, we knew, you know, if we were going to charge, it wouldn't be as inclusive. So we encourage and we have relationships with all the arts and culture institutions throughout the county now, obviously. So, you know, we encourage them to submit their event. We list it on the website for free. Anybody can do an event. And we've had really cool things. Where's one event we would like to bring it back. We started an artcation uh, because, you know, artists wanted more opportunities to create, get, you know, discovered and collected and shown. And we actually started talking to boutique hotels that had vacant rooms. And we put three artists up in a one week art residency during Fort Lauderdale art and design week, where they got to stay at a hotel, create at the end, have a showcase exhibit. It was a beautiful thing. Um, So we love doing these things because they're the right thing to do. We're going to do it if we get support, you know, from county or philanthropists or not. Um, But, you know, we, we do these things as you kind of alluded to altruistically with the resources that we have to move the needle forward. And thankfully we've been successful in moving that needle forward in Broward County.
0: Our guest today is Evan Snow. He's an arts leader and creative entrepreneur in Broward County. Evan, you guys have obviously had success here, you know, growing this this project kind of bit by bit. But I know that there, you know, it's it's it all stems from there being so many challenges for arts for artists in South Florida to find places to create art, to find places that are affordable. I mean, as rents go up, it's uh, it's obviously unafford it becomes more unaffordable to live here, but also commercially like that that's that's something that becomes harder and harder. Talk to me about some of the th- some of the things you hear from artists about, you know uh, about keeping them local, you know?
1: sure. I mean, it is tough. obviously, we're very well aware of the housing situation and you know, real estate prices. And uh, you know, I wish I could certainly control or influence that process more in favor of the artist, But, um, you know, thankfully, just by elevating the arts and storytelling and talking Mm -hmm. about the importance of the art, talking about the importance of the creative economy. Another thing we're grateful that Katie and WLRN has covered previously is just to get people to be more cognizant of the importance of the arts to our way of life, to our culture, to our economy. Uh, so that they could hopefully be that much more supportive. Even little things like we we have an art leasing division where we give businesses or individuals opportunity to lease art for their vacant walls in their home, office, or boat, or whatever the case may be, while not purchasing it full price by paying a fractional amount on a monthly basis. That's putting dollars back in artists' pocket that they can now pay their rent go to the art supply store that's more of the creative economy conversation that we like to have so just by an artist
0: timeshare you well, can keep you can keep uh keep selling the same piece over and over
1: yeah that's and great. it is and um by just by elevating these conversations i think that's what i talk about by moving the needle forward mm-hmm. to have people be a little bit more cognizant when you're going to go buy that next art piece sure you could go to a gallery that's fine sure you could go to michael's and that's fine too but when you purchase a piece of art from a local artist it goes a lot further and there's a lot of data and economics behind that um, so that's the best part we can control we do want to get into live work spaces we are hoping we finally find the right developer and we have seen related do some projects we have seen some other you know CRAs do some live work projects but we really need more live workspaces for artists and hopefully in our next evolution um we can you know start developing those spaces
0: well there has to be a, an element where you you have to convince someone that that an art space made more affordable
1: is more valuable than another lululemon right and i love lululemon and they've been great to our, our nonprofits as well um actually that you say that but you know <laughs> i mean i wish you know rest is rest in peace tony goldman was here he would tell you You know, or we brought in Craig Robbins to speak to our Chamber of Commerce, and he told everybody in Fort Lauderdale that was there, which was the whole chamber, I made art a focal point of the design district. I'll always keep art a focal point of the design district. And he told us very clearly, very succinctly, when he bought the design district, it was $5 a square foot. And he told the story of how by integrating and keeping art a focal point of the design district, he touched five thousand dollars a square foot which you know it's a very unique place understandably but the arts have that ability positively to transform communities but if we price out the artists and they're not going to continue to be able to live work and create so we do need to find happy mediums and models and we think live work spaces and us acquiring some spaces we're trying to maybe buy some duplexes and stuff like that that we can keep artists at an affordable rate creating here in our community
0: it's, uh, I love talking uh, about art-like structures, right, about how you make these structures affordable, uh, but let's also talk about the specific. So talk to me about some of the Broward artists, art, Broward artists that you're excited about, folks who are doing interesting things as artists, whether that's poets or visual artists or dance, whatever it is. Talk to me about some individuals that you're that you really want to put out there sure one of the most
1: talented artists in the program that uh, Katie and Gerard covered on their last uh, biannual uh, story about zero empty spaces on WLRN is an artist from Broward uh, from Hollandale by the name of Pablo Matute he uh, went to Broward College uh, he actually recently graduated and he got accepted into an MFA program at a University of Missouri, which we're very excited to support him with. He actually decided to delay it for another year. So he is still here working and creating in our Zero Empty Spaces number 11 Gulfstream Park location. He's a surrealist artist, kind of similar to Dali, mm-hmm. uses uh, a lot of charcoal pencil, um, w- visionary, very talented young kid, very humble, very soft-spoken, very well-spoken. Um, we did a podcast together and he is so passionate about the arts that he showed he had a tendon that um, I guess tore in his arm that would generally prohibit artists from continuing to create, especially with you know charcoal pencil. And he showed us on this podcast how he would rub the tendon like back into place so he could continue creating because he was that passionate about it. Wow. And he's one of the most talented, surreal artists you'll ever see. Um, we can only imagine... What this MFA and that whole process, and he's actually going to get a chance to teach at the university. What that's going to do for him? But he's from Broward, went to Broward College, um, still you know lives and works. Thankfully, we have a studio in Hollandale Beach, right around the corner from where he grew up. He's probably one of the most talented rising stars, one to watch within the Broward art scene that um, I know and love. Um, and
0: so, it, a perfect example. Like that's a guy that I would imagine you want to keep local, right? You want him to to be his own. Uh, kind of his own son, to have his own gravity, right? And to bring other, and to keep artists here and bring other artists here. So what like talk to me about some of those things, ways that you try to do that, right? Keeping that in mind.
1: So uh, that's a great question. I I have a bunch of other initiatives that I undertake to Mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I was initially inspired by a monthly breakfast lecture series, a mini TED Talk, um, that I still host and continue to keep for free every second Friday of the morning. Friday morning of the month called Creative Zen that we do at the uh, Cotilla Gallery on inside the Alvin Sherman Library on the campus of NSU. And I bring in local people, artists, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga instructors to share their thought-provoking, relatable, inspiring story. If it had a profound impact on my life and served as my aha moment, as I outlined in my first book, Learning to Choose, I recently released – I could only imagine what impact it could have and has had on other people's lives. So I continue to host it, keep it for free, bring in other thought-provoking, inspiring speakers, and we uh, have all the replays on our YouTube and social media page. And then we also, another thing, like a lot of people have ideas, but they don't know how to execute on them. Hmm. Uh, One of the only people I ever reached out to in Miami to bring their idea to Broward was a gentleman by the name of Ivan Dynamo de Jesus, who started something called Axing Club. A-X-E-N, uh, Action and Zen, which is a goal setting accountability mini mastermind group. You come with an idea, a startup, a passion project, or none of those things. And literally the brain trust and the power and power of the room and um, people sitting at the table help you innovate and, and accelerate your concept.
0: Kind of like a writer's workshop. You bring it in and you workshop an idea into something that you can create and, and also helps keep you local.
1: And it it does help keep people local. And if they want to go beyond, they can go beyond. But we help people smart their goals, you know, specific, measurable, action-oriented results with the time constraint. And we meet biweekly. So we leave people with, like, what are three things you could do in the next two weeks and we've seen great art projects. We helped our friend start Raw Storytelling. Uh, that, uh, our version of the moth, Enid, uh, that was her goal. She wanted to start this storytelling series. And we supported her in doing that. And it's been one of the most rewarding and fulfilling things. Artists, creatives, entrepreneurs, passion projects. Mm-hmm. One woman came. She said, I want a hula hoop at festivals. And God bless her. <laughs> she is getting invited and paid to go hula hoop at festivals. And that fills my heart. And there's thousands of success stories. One of my favorite things to do. You know, part of it,
0: I, I think about all these ideas and, and you bringing in people together to develop these ideas. That That's what creates an artist community, I think. And so I'm curious, Everything with everything having its own identity, talk to me about how the Broward identity of this artist community you're building is different than like the Miami one.
1: It is different because... <laughs> Um Broward is one of the more culturally diverse places um and there are, there are like just as many if not more languages spoken in Broward County but Broward County I'm, I don't think this is going to be a mystery to anybody it's less Foo, foo fancy less woo-woo less seen and be seen as opposed to some parts of Miami no disrespect to Miami in that regard I love South Point Park on Sundays and you know that whole thing <laughs> but you know aerial it, yoga sure yeah of course yeah. It, and you know but it's Broward is is you could definitely like there there are billionaires that will walk in that are wearing shorts and flip-flops right. and sure there are billionaires in other places but you're you're not this is one thing I always say about Miami. I'll walk into a place. They might not know me. They don't know me. First thing they do, and you probably know this too. They look at your shoes. They look at your watch. They look at your belt. And I don't wear any, you know, designer stuff like that. So, So I could have all the resources in the world. I could help change hundreds of artists' lives in that room. But unfortunately I found... In in other places, they're not as inclusive and they're not more understanding laid back. And in Broward, uh, that identity, that culture is a little bit more mindful. And and thankfully, I've gotten involved in the mindfulness and yoga community and integrate mindfulness into a lot of my work. Yoga has had a profound impact on my life. I just got back from my first yoga retreat with my teacher and coach, Chloe Revelle, the Gemini Rising. And I now am trying to integrate this holistic, mindful you know, balanced approach to the work we do within the arts, the community building, because, it, you know, sure, there's places where you could be pretentious, but, you know, everybody started at zero, everybody started at the same place, and everybody deserves an opportunity, and I'm here to help support and provide that.
0: Talk to me about what you would like to see Broward do next, right? Like, uh, as it develops its own identity and its own its own spaces, I know that you have 100,000 ideas in your head, but just let's start with one. What would you like to see Broward do next?
1: Oh, Carlos. <laughs>
0: the problem is that I'm limiting you to one, but no, I'm, I'm not.
1: Uh, I would like Broward to to reprioritize funding to, to tangible initiatives that are proven to make economic impact and viable models. And um, unfortunately, Broward County, not my term, has previously been referred to as a cultural wasteland. Mm. I did not invent that, but uh, we are... Making progress. We were successful, Andrew, primarily as private citizens in recruiting the film commissioner from Miami Dade County to be the film commissioner in Broward, Sandy Leiterman. And as a result of doing that, film is having a resurgence and a renaissance in Broward, making a huge economic impact. So just prioritizing funding and support to the arts in Broward. I mean, obviously, that's my main thing that I'm here to advocate for. Um, and really, I mean, I'd love the county commissioners to invite us to the county hall. I mean, I have friend I have friendships and relationships with a lot of city commissioners, but um, you know, I don't know why they they just don't find what we're doing important enough and they decide to give money to other initiatives that might not be able to make the same impact. I have respect for other event producers and other people, but I think it's time that Broward County uh, realizes we're here to stay, we're here to do good work in the community, and we do need funding and support to continue to do this because we can't self-fund art fairs, art weeks, art spaces. We're not independently wealthy people.
0: Right. So, I mean, as a guy who understands systems, who literally studies them from the ground up. I imagine that that's something that you're looking very closely at too is is like how do you get people to to decide that it's important, right? And then having the people represent them decide that it's important. That's without that's,
1: being a politician. Without being a politician, right? How do you do that? Storytelling, continuing to do, uh, continuing to show up, continuing to stay consistent. Um, I did outline a lot of the, I did outline my journey, and not just my journey and my story, but learning lessons I acquired mm-hmm. um, as an aspiring creative entrepreneur in my first book, Learning to Choose, uh, where, you know, I tell people how I. I made choices. I stepped outside of my comfort zone and that led me to unlocking my hidden potential. And if I was a regular Johnny nine to five recruiter that was able to do this, anybody could do this. So now I'm going around speaking, sharing more of the gospel. And I really like to think that I, when I went to Art Basel the first time in mm-hmm. December, 2014, I have the post on Facebook. I posted who wants to go to Art Basel. None of my friends responded. And I made one of the best choices in my life that I got in the car I went down there myself and I fell in love with Wynwood. And if I wouldn't have made that choice and stepped outside of my comfort zone, we would probably not be sitting here right now. If that
0: was the model, if that was like an inspiration for it, what do you see? What do you want to see the Broward Arts community become?
1: I'd like to see a place, a Broward Broward Arts community, where any artist, emerging, mid-career, established, or otherwise, can be a full-time artist. We've been able to support... Artists in doing that. Not every artist, but ideally, the business business community and stakeholders should want to support more the philanthropy dollars primarily that go into the arts in Broward County. Unfortunately, primarily go to putting names on buildings, and that's great, and that's all well and good, But and I'm all supportive of the Art and Culture Center in Hollywood and the NSU Art Museum and Coral Springs Museum of the Arts and all those places, but I'd like to reprioritize some of that funding to actually go to the places where it's needed the most, and that's the grassroots local emerging artists, so that they could get that little boost that could help take them to the next level so they can invest in their practice, buy more art supplies, work on a project. Um, There are some resources available. We're hosting more free business workshops for artists through our zero empty spaces location to help equip them and to help inform them and to help empower them to be, because we really think in a place like Broward County, where there's no shortage of money, artists should be able to be full-time artists, but they need support from individuals, philanthropists, collectors, the business community and otherwise.
0: Put your, put your name on a program instead of on a building. Evan, thank you so much for spending the hour with us. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Our guest today is Evan Snow. He's an arts leader and creative entrepreneur in Broward County. His project, Zero Empty Spaces, creates affordable artist studios around the country. You can find more information at zeroemptyspaces.com. And that's Sundial for Thursday, August 17th. Leslie Olaya Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Helen Acevedo helped produce the show. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. Katie Munoz is our Director of Live Programming. Peter J. Mertz is WLRN's VP of Radio. Engineering our board today is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundal on your podcast app. Coming up next week on the program, what does it mean to be a conservationist through poetry? The writer Yadira Peralta will tell us. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only we